Let me invite your attention to the book of Psalms, uh, the 22nd Psalm, a great one, a uh, great Psalm. And let me read just the first eight verses. Um, I, I will remind you that the names of the nominees for the office of elder are in the bulletin. They're in the upper left-hand corner there. So if you've forgotten who was nominated, all 16 names are in there for you. Don't forget the 30th of November. Now, let me read you the first eight verses of um, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They wag their mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, I don't expect you to remember this, but last week our text was found in Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 1 through 10, and and I made a big deal out of the fact that that text included a quote from Psalm 40. Psalm 40 that was written by David, and yet the author of Hebrews takes those words that were written by David, and he sticks them into the mouth of Jesus. And I I said to you last week, that should be a lesson for us as to how how we ought to read the book of Psalms. Now, that was last week. Maybe you remember some of that. My my point in starting that way is to simply say this. Here's another example of the same thing. Psalm 22. Listen to these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Familiar? David said them in Psalm 22, but you know who else said them, don't you? Christ, Matthew 27, hanging from the cross, says these words. How about these? He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. David said that. But you know who else said that? Well, that came out of the mouths of the high priest, the chief priests when they were, when Jesus was on trial and they were mocking him. Or how about this one? I, I didn't include this one in the text, but it's, um, it's verse 18 of Psalm 22. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. David said that in Psalm 22. But do you know who did that? 
That was those um, Roman soldiers that were around the cross of Christ and taking advantage as best they could of, um, of what was going on. Guys, um, theologically speaking, we could say a whole lot about that. Um, about messianic psalms, about how to interpret, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but we're not going to do that this morning. At the very least, I think you'd agree with this. That Psalm 22 has a prominent place in the crucifixion story. Things that you find first written in Psalm 22, 1,500 years before Christ used them, um, those words play a prominent role in the unfolding of the crucifixion story. Now, the point that I would want to make this morning about that is very simple. It's not complex. It's not theological greatly. Here's the only point I want to make. Everywhere you turn in this book, there is one grand, all-absorbing story or event, however you'd like to look at it. Wherever you turn, what you're going to find is, is references to, pointing us to, pictures of this one <clears throat> absorbing story, and that is, of course, of Christ and him crucified. Which is the very thing that is on display in this sacrament. Guys, the Bible is dominated. It's consumed by the simple message of Christ and him crucified. But what about us? Not so much. In fact, um, my, my concern, or one of my concerns is that at the same time that we're engaged in this, this sacrament that is celebrating in, in symbolic form, is celebrating the, uh, this, this story, this, this event of um, Christ and him crucified. At the same time that we are nibbling at the, at the Lord's table, that we are, at the same time that we're doing that, we're, we're stuffing ourselves at the buffet that the world offers. We nibble here, and we stuff there. You know, it's really not surprising that we're not satisfied. Um... Because we're feasting on, on things that will never satisfy us. It's, uh, it's not surprising. It's no wonder that, that we're addicted. Because we're feeding on things which can never satisfy. And so we have to keep going back over and over again for another fix. 
You know, there's a lot of people who have made this observation that I'm about to share with you, but I, I think the one who made it best is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Weight of Glory, he says that the problem with us Christians is not that we are dissatisfied with what we do not have, but that we are satisfied with what we do have. Did you get that? We're not dissatisfied with what we don't have. We're satisfied with what we do have. I want to read you three sentences from that book. This is from Lewis. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it means by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You know, I think we Christians, we make it through this life without ever discovering that our definition of happiness is really no different than the definition of a, uh, of a circumstantially well-off pagan. We have the same definition of happiness that they do. Or in the words of C.S. Lewis, we are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased with things which will never satisfy us. We, um, we blissfully continue to, to eat pronto pups when um, beef tenderloin is made and offered us. Guys, what satisfies the soul is on this table. And it's found nowhere else. And so many of us know that. We've looked. We've tried. We got ourselves a new car, a fancy new car. And it made us happy for a week. We moved to another house, and it made us happy for 90 days, all because we have the same definition of happiness as a circumstantially well-off pagan, when the only thing that will satisfy is Christ and him crucified. the very thing that is being symbolically communicated to you through this sacrament. So, come, my dear brother and sister in Christ. Go into that place where only you and God go and be reminded that this is what I want. 
This is what I need. This is what satisfies. Let's pray together. Lord, I do pray that you will use this occasion where Christ and him crucified is on display to remind us of that which will satisfy, the only thing that will. And I pray that you will use these reminders to refresh us in the midst of a world that is just as broken this week as it was last week. It's just as lost, it's just as determined to, to oppose you. And I pray that our refreshment might be found here. Do that, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.